0: I pray you'll, yeah, you'll know that God is with you. Hopefully you'll sense him here with you through brothers and sisters. Amen? Amen. Pray for each other, all right? If you're you're struggling, grab somebody and pray. You could even do it when I start talking. It's all right. That might be what you need to do. Okay? Okay, well... uh, Welcome, we're glad you're here, especially our visitors, thanks for coming. Uh, My name's David, and I'm one of the staff here, been here for many years, and um, I just, today is my my youngest, my daughter's 12th birthday, so I left, yeah, I left our house with 10 middle school girls going crazy, so I'm really happy to be here. (laughs) It's, yes, it's fun. We did jelly bean digs and Jello with our feet, and we did all kinds of fun things. I mean, it was creative. Sadie made up all these games, and they're all messy, but it was fun. So, and I left my wife alone with all these kids. So, I'm sure they'll be clean up when I get home. But, um, anyway, we have, uh, a couple weeks ago, last week, of course, we were at camp. How many went to camp? Yeah? Yeah? Okay. Hey. you didn't go, we missed you, but we're glad you're here. But a, a week before that, we started our series based out of Genesis 1 and 2, which uh, we're just calling In the Beginning. In the Beginning. I know that's super creative. So, um, And we just got into it. And in our opening session, we started to kind of wrestle through how do we even approach Genesis 1 and 2, where we're focusing our time this quarter. Um, And, you know, they're, they're seemingly simple accountings of creation, and yet they're rather sophisticated. And so as we kind of began to, how do you approach it? One of the things I try to suggest is that we should try to figure out what the author's goal in writing these creation accounts is and are. And so we ended up seeing that the author of Genesis really was not trying to write a scientific manual nor necessarily a modern historical how we would view modern history accounting but really was writing an artistic poetic and theological piece with the goal being helping us to understand the nature of God and the nature of people us you and me what it means to be human and so really who is God What's he like and and who are we? What are we like? What does it mean to be human? These really are the dominant concerns of the author of Genesis in chapters 1 and 2 and following. And so they're really becoming our dominant uh, themes as we go through this quarter, through Genesis 1 and 2. And, of course, how we think about God greatly impacts how we might think about ourselves. And how we think about ourselves greatly impacts the day-to-day choices we make in life, and the day-to-day choices we make in life ultimately really shape our destiny. So how we think about God, how we think about ourselves is of vital importance. And so tonight and next Friday, we're going to spend some time just considering what the author of Genesis wants to communicate to us about the nature of God, okay? Because we know, after all, it starts this way, right? In the beginning... That was your cue. In the beginning, Right, okay. So so God's the first character we meet in these creation stories. In the beginning, God. And so we're going to spend this week and next week thinking about God. Well, hopefully we'll think about God, you know, the whole quarter, but specifically about the nature of God. And here I'm going to start with what I hope we'll just kind of walk away with, okay? That doesn't mean once you get this you can just, you know check out, hopefully, okay, but I just so we kind of have a frame where I'm going to go. Um, when we think about God, this is how I want us to think about God. This is how I think the author of Genesis is having us think about God, that God is the rightful owner and ruler of all things and of all people, and yet as this ruling king, he graciously invites us to join him in running this world. Okay, so that's kind of my my thesis. That's my thesis for tonight, okay? So we'll try to unpack that idea as we go through our talk. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? So God is the, the author of Genesis wants us to understand that God is the foundational reality of everything and everyone else, some have called this you know that god is the the ground of being doesn't that just sound ooh, you know like we need some music in the background okay or he's the source the source with a capital s god is god is and god is the ground of our being so whatever naturalistic explanations that modern science may discover about the process, processes at work in our universe it could be you know whether it's the big bang or evolution or whatever In the end, this is for certain, that it all originated out of the mind of God, that it all came about by the will of God, that it all came about, as we read in those opening verses, by the power of the Spirit that was hovering over that dark, watery mass, in combination with the power of God's voice when he said, let there be, boom, let there be light, I think the author of Genesis is wanting us to get that, wanting us to understand that all of this, the trees, the mountains, the rivers, all of this is because of God. But I think he also wants to push it. It isn't just trees and mountains and rivers and bears and camels and good stuff like that. But it is you and it is me that he willed into existence. So we could put in there, let there be... David, let there be Bobby, let there be Anthony, Kevin, and girls too. I don't know why I just pick guys. They just happen to be here. (laughs) Sorry. Let there be Shannon and Sydney. Okay. All right. That's what's being communicated. We are here because of God. Sometimes people will say to you, what on earth are you doing? But the author of Genesis wants us to answer this question. What are you doing on earth? Both are good questions. One I ask of my kids, what on earth are you doing? But the other one we should all ask, and I think we do. What am I doing on earth? Why am I here? Why is anything here rather than not? Have you ever kind of just tripped out on that for a while? Just, whoa. Okay. And here is the straightforward, and maybe, maybe you're asking that tonight. Maybe you're really wrestling with that. What am I doing here? And good for you for asking that question. Too many people don't take time to actually ask it. Here's the short, straightforward answer. Why are you here? What are you doing on earth? Because in the beginning, God. Because God willed you to be here. The key to knowing the why question is wrapped up in God, the nature of God, who he is, his mind, his intentions, his purposes. So he's the source. Now, what's an implication of God being the source of all things? I want to suggest that it also means that he is the rightful owner of all things. And so the psalmist puts it this way. He understands this, thinking of God and creation. Psalm 24, 1 and 2 the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, for or because he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Or as Eugene Peterson puts it in his version of the message, he says, God claims earth and everything in it. God claims the world and all who live on it. Why can't he claim it? Because he founded it. He made it and so he owns it. And we get this, right? You know, if you ever made something, it's it's mine. You know, if you have little kids, I made this pile of blocks. They're mine. You know, don't touch them. We understand a little more sophisticated if somebody invents something and they can submit and get a patent. And that means it's theirs, right? They get the legal rights to it. They get to determine how it's used. They, you know, get some benefit from this thing you invent, you know, an automatic shoe removal machine, you can submit and you can get a patent and you can have legal right. You can say, I own this. It's my idea and this is my machine and this is how I want to use it. So God's got a patent on the earth. He's got a patent on us. He, I mean, he gives himself the patent, but he is the owner of it. I like that. Okay, let's patent it. Good. Bam, we're good. Okay. So from the tiniest blade of grass to the greatest mountain, from the smallest, creepy, crawly thing that's somewhere underneath your bed, to all who ever lived, all who are presently living, all who ever will live, small and great, God owns it. It's his. The scripture says that even our very breath is actually borrowed from God. We get that picture in Genesis that God breathed into the clay. He, in a sense, lent it his, his breath and it became alive. So I want us to do this. I guess this is the, 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 the evening of practicing silence, but I already had this plan. I want us just for like 30 seconds, we're going to be quiet, but you're going to kind of listen to your, you're going to listen to your breathing. You're going to become aware of your breathing, okay? Just, you know, just, I'll be quiet. Think of your breathing. Be aware of it. I know, it seems like Lamaze, okay? Childbirth (laughs) class, okay? But the scripture says he lends us his breath. Every time we draw it in, it's it's been given to us. And that the instant he withdraws it, we perish. Author of Job puts it this way. He says, if it were his, God's, intention... And he withdrew his spirit and breath. All humanity would perish together and mankind would return to the dust. That'd be quite, you know, if he did that all at the same time, taking it back, wham. Fortunately, he doesn't do that. Okay? So, it's all God's. He owns it. I want to push it a little bit more. Not only is everything the physical property of God, but also this idea that everything is the intellectual property of God. So behind every article of human wisdom and knowledge stands God. Behind every intellectual, scientific, medical, cultural, artistic accomplishment and achievement in this world stands the creator, since all of these ultimately find their source in the great mind of God who is the supreme intelligence. And it doesn't matter whether the human who maybe, you know, discovered this thing or accomplished this thing, acknowledges the creator or not, it is rightfully uh, his, the creator's. And so let's take it in a little more personal term. Think about uh, your own life. Every gift that you have, every talent, every ability, whether it's to sing or to act, to write a computer program, to write a story, to make a movie, to be funny, to think creatively to have insight, all of this, it comes from God. Part of his creational gifts to us. And so I just want us to pause here for a minute. And really, do we acknowledge that? Do we acknowledge that all that I am and have and have accomplished is really a gift from God that he is the source. Everything I'm wearing is his. When I go into my room, it's all his. When I go to class, it's You know, it's his. The university's his. He owns these orange chairs. Your abilities come from him. Do I acknowledge thankfully the creator, the giver? There's really, I think there's two kinds of people. One way to think of it. There are those who understand that all they are and have is a gift and acknowledge God in thankfulness. And then there there are those who know it but suppress that truth, this plain obvious truth. They refuse to see their life as a gift, and they refuse to give God his due. So Paul writes in Romans 1, 20 and 21, he says this, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have clearly been seen, and I would add his divine ownership, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. How important is it to be thankful? It's really important. To cease to be thankful, to cease to acknowledge God as the source and the giver and the owner of all is to begin to allow your heart to become darkened and your mind to become futile in its thinking. And so my call to us, my uh, challenge tonight, at least the first one, is that we would be a thankful people. How thankful were you today? How often did you complain today? Or how often did you take credit for something? Are you a thankful? When people hang out around you, do they go, wow, that guy's just so thankful. Everything's just like gift, gift, gift. He's just a thankful, she's a thankful person. I want us here, this community, to be known as thankful people who recognize everything is a gift. Even the breath I draw is a gift from God. Undeserved, unearned, but given freely. So thankful. Well, let's push a little more, a little further. So, as the creator and the rightful owner of all things, he is also the rightful ruler. The scripture will call him the king of creation. And as the king, it is his right to summon all of creation to do his bidding. And that includes you and me, he's the source. He's the owner, and he is the ruler. He is the king of all. And this is what kings do, right? I mean, we don't get to hang around a lot of kings, but, you know, they give orders. Hey, do this, do that, carry this thing out. And so when we read Genesis, those opening chapters, we see God, the creator king, giving directives to what he's created, right? He tells the sun, hey, you're going to be in charge of the day. Moon, you get the night. Waters, bring forth some life. Land, let's get some creatures going. Shrubs, come on, let's do it. Says to the dirt, come alive. He tells Adam, you're in charge. You're responsible. Take care of this stuff. And then the one that's always so fun, you know, everything. Get fruitful and multiply. Yeah. Woo. So fun. Get fruitful and multiply. Yeah. All right. Okay. Okay. We'll talk about that one later. Brady gets to handle that one. (laughs) Okay? Now I want us to fast forward. That's in Genesis. I want us to fast forward into the New Testament. And guess what we see? Another king, or perhaps the same king, King Jesus, speaking and giving directives to the creation. So we see Jesus commanding the wind and the waves to be still, if you know that story. We see him telling bread and fish to multiply and feed the crowds. We see him commanding deformed limbs to become whole and to blind eyes in a sense. He doesn't quite say it this way, but he says, let there be sight. All right? Let there be light and let there be sight. It's the same king? Yeah. Ah. Okay? You're with me. All right. Okay? Okay. We see him telling inanimate dead flesh to come to life, to receive the breath of life, right? Raising Lazarus. Hmm, That should almost bring us back to Genesis. We see him commanding dark angelic powers to flee. And we see him giving directions and instructions to those who follow him. So what's going on here? Well, I think the authors of Scripture, in the New Testament, want us to understand what the rest of creation has always understood, that the voice of Jesus is the same voice that first spoke, let there be light. That Jesus is the King and Lord of creation and, in fact, was present in the creation of the world and continues to sustain the creation to this very Moment. So, Paul will write it this way in Colossians. For in him, speaking of Christ, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible or invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and all things hold together because of him. So to be a Christian is to acknowledge that that Jesus, much more than just a a moral teacher or a, a spiritually insightful guy, as Christians we acknowledge that he is Lord. He is King. We have been created by him. We belong to him. And as such, we are called to live under his rule and obey his voice. Just like the sun and the moon obey just like the wind and the waves obey, so we, as his created ones, are called to obey. But of course, there's a difference, isn't there? Because we have, are given a choice. You know, the sun doesn't really get a reason with God like, yeah, well, you know, I don't think I'm going to come up today. Unless I'm in Bellingham, and then that may be true, but, you know. <laughs> they just do it. But we have a choice to respond to his voice, willingly, to acknowledge Christ as our king and as our creator. So I want to ask this question. So the first call is towards thankfulness. I want to ask this question. It's a call about questions about obedience. Where do you hear the voice of the Lord Jesus, your creator, summoning you to do his will? Do you hear his voice? Are you acknowledging that he has the right to, in a sense, give you directives, speak his commands to you, and are you responding? So I try to think, you know, and it's a real open, you know, what, what, where, what, where might we be hearing him speaking to us, bidding us to do his will? So just a few ideas, and, and there may be other things the Lord's doing in you, but, you know, are you, perhaps he's speaking to you about how you use your time, this gift of time that he has given to you, that is really his, that he may be calling you to use your time in a certain way, because he actually owns it, but he's letting you borrow it. And he wants you to use it in ways that say, I belong to God, I live under his rule. I heard. That there's some opportunity for the elderly ministry to use your time in that way. And that as part of God's heart towards his creation, he's inviting some of us, I think, tonight, to jump on that one. He is speaking to you. Let there be some more elderly people. Not just old people, but people who will work with elderly people. There will always be elderly people, okay? Let there be those who care for this part of the creation. Or perhaps he's calling you to see your stuff is really his stuff that he's letting you borrow. Maybe you could be generous, you know, with your finances, as we were urged to be. Or, you know, calling you to just be generous with what you have. I can remember when I was living in Kappa, and my roommate, a guy named Russ, and Russ, I loved him. He was just kind of radical. He just would, whatever. And I remember one day, came home, and it's like, I don't know how we got talking, but somehow found out he didn't have his nice, he had this nice coat, and he didn't have it anymore. Well, what would you do with your coat, Russ? Well, I gave it away. What? It was a really nice coat. Yeah, I gave it away to this, some homeless guy. I figured it's God's code anyway, so I just gave it away. I'm thinking, that's crazy, but that's really good. But but it's really challenging and really convicting. What would it be very hard for you to part with? It is God's stuff. What if the creator who gave it to you said, hey, can you just pass it along now? Or maybe it's just calling you to acknowledge him before other people. You know? Um, somebody compliments you. Somebody says, wow, that was a really good job. Or you really have a gift for, for doing that. You have a real talent. And you can either, oh, yeah, I don't know, false humility. I oh, don't know. I know, but no, no. <laughs> you know? Or um, or just ignore it, which would be really awkward. Or you could say, well, I thank you. You know, and I, you know, I think it's something God's given to me. I'm blessed that he's given it to me, and I'm honored that it can bless others and to be, to be used to serve him and others. You don't have to be weird about it, but you can give him, you know, credit. You don't have to do the, you know, the Tebow thing or whatever. I mean, you know, I mean, if you want to, that's fine. But to acknowledge him and to thank him and to give him credit. For some gift or ability that he's given to you. And we have, we have opportunity to do that, I think, quite regularly. Okay? Or maybe the voice of Jesus as king is telling you to stop doing something. To have a change of mind and behavior about a particular moral choice that you have been making. He made you, right? He loves you. He cares for you. He knows best how humans work because... He's got the patent. He invented us. And he wants the best life for us. But he's going to ask you to heed his voice and do what he commands and trust him that he actually has your best in mind. And so maybe right now the Spirit's whispering something to you about what that might be. Maybe the Spirit is hovering over that area of your life and wants to bring it into a place of beauty, a place of order, a place of rightness. If we truly believe that God is the creator and the owner and the rightful ruler of everything, then it's going to be obvious by the way that we begin to live our lives. Okay, our last idea that I want to talk to us about out of this idea of God is as source, as um, owner, and as ruler, is this idea um, that for some people, we may end up thinking, well, yeah, God's just kind of, he's just a big boss. He's just a big boss. He just likes to tell things. You know, wind and waves do that. Sun do that. You know, bum, 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 bum. And I want to suggest that we need to realize that he is not an insecure, tyrannical, power-hungry dictator. You know, some, some of us may see God that way. He just likes to be large and in charge. He just likes to tell people what to do. You know, it reminds me of a little sign we have in our our laundry room, um, put there by my wife. And it says, I'm not bossy. I just have better ideas. <laughs> Which is usually true. <laughs> You know, but sometimes we kind of think that's how God is. But I want to suggest that it's just the opposite. The creation story is pushing just the opposite. That while God is in charge, and he is the king, he is quick to share his leadership, to delegate his authority. And we basically see that he puts humanity in charge of this creation that he has painstakingly Formed and made and loves and treasures. And then he turns around and says, okay, now I'm going to, you know, to the man and woman, I'm going to put you in charge. And so we twice in the opening creation story, we hear God emphatically telling humanity that they will rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. I don't know about you, but at times when I make something or, you know, it's a prized possession I'm not quick to let others kind of mess with it. I, you know, they might screw it up. I'm going to take care of this. You stay away. But God, in fact, shares and invites us into helping him run this place. It's a huge amount of trust, a huge amount of responsibility that God invests in us. It's a great dignity and it's a great honor to be invited into this. So I was thinking about this, it reminded me of uh, a time where we were, uh, some friends of ours who are pretty well off and they own this very nice big yacht, like yacht, like I'm talking big, um, like you can sleep on it in multiple rooms if you want, okay? And um, so we were on this big boat and um, the owner, uh, I can't remember if it was a couple or one, but it let, I think it was a couple of my boys uh, steer the boat, the big boat, and I'm kind of there going, I hope they don't hit anything. I hope they don't tip anything over. I'll have to sell my, my house. I'll have to go beg. I don't know what will happen. But it was this great honor and a great kind of act of trust. Granted, you know, the owner was pretty close at hand there. Um, and so for this brief time, they got to have a small but a very cool role in this adventure. Now, in a much more profound way, God, the creator, has invited us, right? Um, he's invited us, in a sense, he's invited us up into the cabin and said, come and help me steer this thing. I could do it all by myself, but no, in fact, I want to, would you come help me and, and let's, let's run this thing, this place together. You know, I think some people read Genesis 1-2 and they think, well, this just shows that God is on a big power trip. You know, he's on this crazy power trip, wants to boss people around. But I think this story tells us that the world is about the joy he finds in creating and the, the delight he finds in sharing and partnering with us to run the whole thing. Yes, he does ask us to listen to him, he does ask us to obey him so that we don't you know, run the thing onto rocks and wreck it, which is actually kind of what we've done when we said, get out of the cabin, we're going to steer it ourselves. But he gracious, he said, join me. Help me in running this world. Help me, dear brother and sister in Christ, help me as we try to set this world aright and make it new. You know what? I think that's the kind of king that's the kind of ruler, that's the kind of owner that I can willingly, gladly follow and serve. Is that kind of king, that kind of ruler who's not insecure but is, is quick to share and invite us into helping him in this big project called Earth and the world. And of course, we get, you know, we also don't, we know hopefully the rest of the story, not just Genesis 1 and 2, we know into the New Testament. And that this, this creator, king, took on flesh and blood and lived among us and actually died for us. I can follow that kind of king. I can trust that kind of king. Now, that's another part of the story, obviously. So I want to just put up some, some questions for us. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. I want to ask some questions here. Really, we've talked about... Um, Thankfulness and obedience and our view of God. And so I want us to just take a moment. and Questions are up there and I'll read them as well. And just begin to allow the spirit to hover over your life and heart as you think about these questions. So how are you doing at being grateful? At acknowledging that all that you are and all that you have comes from God. And is to be used in service to him. Are you a thankful, grateful person? Do you see your life as a gift to thank the creator for? Are you joining with the rest of creation and responding to his voice? In ready and willing obedience to carry out his will. And is there something specific that the voice of Christ, our God and our creator is stirring you, calling you to do? A specific way he's inviting you to let his rule come over your own life and be extended through you, through his rule through you. And then lastly, how do you view God? What's your view of God? Power-hungry dictator? Or is he a loving, gracious God who gives generously and invites you and me to participate with him in his rule of the earth? So I'm just going to let us sit there. Uh, and the worship team, you can play for just a little bit. And just let's just take a moment and reflect. And then um, I think what I'll do is I'll just come back and I'll invite a few of us to to pray prayers in response. And then we'll go into some worship. Okay? So just a couple minutes to sit and reflect and hear God, and then I'll invite us to pray.